With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. If you are a bit of a believer that so the, the tyranny of numbers is the modern fascination for football, but the game doesn't always live in the numbers. Sometimes it has to be lived and breathed and experienced in real time. And that's true out of last night's. This is, this might be the best case study I've ever seen. Melbourne, 409 disposals to 316 inside 50, 65 to 41 clearances, 52 to 32 center clearances, 21 to seven contested possessions, 161 to 139 contested marks, 14 to 10 Oliver, 42, Petrarca, 36, Brayshaw, 32, Gorn, 31, Viney, 30. Those numbers represent a thumping Melbourne victory, but there's just something else at play, Brenton Sanderson. That was crazy, Jared. and those numbers you read out, that's the concern for me with the Demons uh, when they wake up this morning and they review this game, is their good players played really well. You mentioned Oliver, Petrarca, Brayshaw, Gorn, Viney. They were outstanding for Melbourne last night, yet they lost the game. Um, the same thing happened against Collingwood earlier in the season where Oliver has 43 disposals, eight clearances, and they lose by 26 points. But some of those numbers, um, and you have to just throw the stat sheet away, and coaches don't do that. They rely so much on those metrics, some of those those key numbers. And for me, um, halftime was even more crazy. Uh, at halftime, Melbourne had had 41 inside 50s to 18. So they were on track for 82 inside 50s, Melbourne which is freakish. Like that's, you never see teams get that amount. And they just, Collingwood just could not get the ball past halfway in the first half. But when they did, Hodgie, they, they scored almost every time. Their, their inside 50 efficiency was crazy. They were, they were so good when they got the ball inside their forward 50. Clearances were 30 to 13 at halftime. So Melbourne were dominating around contest and clearance um, and contested possessions, which is the coach's favourite go-to. Melbourne were plus 25 at halftime. Um, but Collingwood's second half, and this is the spirit, the belief, the genuine trust in a game plan and, a, I guess, a trust in each other. Um, they made some adjustments, really well coached last night by McRae. They made some adjustments at halftime, um, and it was seven goals to three after halftime. Uh, but some of those Collingwood players stood up. Maynard um, was just absolutely brilliant, particularly in that second half. I thought Pendlebury's leadership, um, the defence, of course, has just played so well all season. Um, and Melbourne just had... It just didn't look like Melbourne going forward. They they didn't know where to kick it. It was, it was it was amazing to see. And I loved the goalie's game. I loved Jack Crisp. He was he was fantastic after halftime. Um, but a few question marks there for the Demon. They still look great. That was one of the great games. They still look fantastic, Melbourne. But if you're going to play like that and have all those crazy numbers, you should win those games. So that's that's the challenge for for Goody and his coaching staff this week. I think the biggest the biggest thing from that is with all those numbers, the connection going forward. Yep. And the hardest kick in football is the one going inside Ford fifty to either hit someone up or put it to the advantage of a teammate to obviously take a mark or, or kick a goal. And you can see that Melbourne 
understand that. They're, they play, they're playing Gorn forward a lot more. Jackson's starting the games and starting quarters in the centre bounce. So as Gorn, he's a bit more of a forward target than Jackson because he's still learning learning the craft. But I think that's a big worry for him. Maxie could have taken the game. He had three shots a goal in the yep. first half. Missed them, missed them all. Um, but that that's the biggest that's the biggest one for him. When you're getting so much ball going inside Ford 50, that hardest kick, there's just no connection there. They just look lost. And as far as other teams, as soon as the ball hits the ground, they get excited and, and off they go. But um, the other part was how they got opened up in defence. But I think that has to, a lot to do with Collingwood. And you said they made a few tweaks to the game, sco- game style at half time, But how efficient they were going inside Ford 50. We mentioned in the first half, halfway through that second quarter, they had seven goals from 13 inside 50s, yep. Collingwood. And a lot of that, Jamie Elliott, when he didn't get his hands on the ball, he'd be chased down tackle. I think last night he had three goals from holding the balls. They're just a team that just won't give up. And I think that's why they're so exciting to watch. Well, I think, Hodgie, now what, what you have to do, and if, if you're going for a senior coaching role now and you want to impress um, a panel that's going to make the decision, you have to base your, your presentation all around pressure because pressure will win your games of footy. And we talk about offense and defense and clearance and contest. We saw the pressure last night. Melbourne had 100 more handballs than what Collingwood did. And that was because every time they had the footy, the pressure was on them. They felt like they had to get rid of the ball quickly. So that was by hand. Um, And that's, I think, what Collingwood did so well last night. And you mentioned Jamie Elliott. All of his goals came from tackles almost. Like um, That's the modern day game now. If you're a forward now, you're there to pressure and tackle and keep the ball in your front half. When I was watching that last night, normally when you, if you're watching Melbourne, you want one ball, one tackler to go to the ball carrier and then one to go to the receiver just so they don't get looped out. But Collingwood's mindset was, nah, we're going straight at the ball. And at yep. times they had one, two, three blokes trying to tackle the one person and Melbourne got the easy out. But as the game went on, that pressure didn't stop. So as Melbourne got more fatigued and more tired, they were making more mistakes and you sort of sit back and go, that's that's clearly the game style. As you said, it's all based on pressure. If you make a mistake trying to do the right thing and trying to tackle and, and have an effort-based mistake, they're going to sit back and go, no problems at all because you're trying to do the right but thing. Is, is this the barometer for Melbourne? So have a look back at the numbers from last night. It was 18 inside 50 tackles to eight. And if you go back a week prior, when they lifted against Fremantle big time, it was 15 inside 50 tackles from 60 entries. Go back a week before that when they were undone by the dogs. They didn't lay a tackle inside forward 50 from 50-odd entries in that game, Melbourne. I think that comes down to a lot about the game style. So if you look at the Western Bulldogs game, they would not kick down the line. So they wanted to maintain the ball, switch it, and try to spread their zone. Fremantle are a possession-based team who want to kick their way through, and they just couldn't. And they didn't have the confidence. After a while, Fremantle got shy, and they just went, I'm going to kick long down the line because I can't. I'm not going to try anything or go through the middle in case we turn the ball over. So they accepted it and did what Melbourne wanted them to do, where if you look at last night, Collingwood would do anything but kick down the line. That would be a last resort. And even there was a few times where they did go down the line, teammates are telling them off because that's not on the game style. So I think a lot of those plays, you're spot on. A lot of the plays are how the opposition are playing against them. If you're going to accept, okay, I can't get through, I'm going to go down the line, you're playing into Melbourne's hands and and that's the ball's going to be played in their half. If Melbourne are pumping an inside 50 that many times, Sando, surely the onus is, and I know Benny Lyon, our producer, is a frustrated Melbourne supporter (laughs) as anyone. He's saying, well, where are our smalls? Where's Cosy Bigger? Where's that pressure that you're talking about that Billy Elliott provided? Yeah, well, that's that's right. And and Hodgie is spot on. They're not getting those measured kicks inside forward Mm. 50 where you've got your class midfield have got time and space to be able to measure a kick inside forward 50. Most of those inside 50s, and if you could drill down inside 50s to quality inside 50s or um, almost inside 50s within sort of 70 metres rather than sort of having to blast it or bomb it earlier than what you want to go in. 
So it's it's a raw number, but you can probably drill it down a little bit yeah. further into quality inside fifties. But it felt like every time the ball went in there, it was it was blasted in, and that's what the forwards will give the feedback this week to the Melbourne midfielders and defenders. Is yeah, we had a lot of inside fifties, but there wasn't quality ones. There wasn't those ones where we could you know have time and space to be able to measure where we ran to, and and that that's I think was the telling part. And um, but that that pressure, that that ability to be able to sustain four quarters of ruthless pressure is I think now uh, that's the most important number if you want to find a number in footy is your ability to pressure the opposition into mistakes and if I, if I can explain the, the whole point with that zone and press is to make sure all areas are covered and you try and pin it side into the side of the ground mm. if you kick it long down the line and you turn it over the bonus about blokes being in a press is they're not man on man so if you turn the ball over as Melbourne do through Lever through Gorn through May yep. you quickly go inside you've got numbers of spare because they're not manning up on the flip side, if you're switching the ball like the Bulldogs did, like Collingwood did last night, that zone's not there. They're moving, they're shifting, yeah. they're not as a group, and there's there's no density and there's there's a lot of holes. So by the time they turn the ball over over the other side of the ground, all those teammates aren't in a position to attack because they've had to run, chase. It's not as stable as what it was if you just go long down the line. So that's why teams try and break a good zone like Melbourne Open to make sure they adjust and they move. So if they do turn the ball over, the teammates aren't there to slingshot back. Winning learn game, uh, winning close games is a learned skill. I've seen enough footy to know that. That it is worth going back and watching the last six minutes and fifty-four seconds. Mm. So after goal for goal, lead changes five times. Ash Johnson puts Collingwood back in front. Melbourne has one inside fifty in the last six minutes and fifty-four seconds. It's the immediate centre clearance that Viney bombs in. Quainor rounds it up, and it never gets back to Melbourne's half forward flank. So six minutes and 40 seconds of game time and they never got back to half forward. So the game adjustment and the time management in that was absolutely masterful as Collingwood condensed the pressure around the ball and and essentially ensured that it never moved more than 60 metres for the rest of the game in a frenzied finish. It's absolutely brilliant to go back and watch it and to understand the skill that's at play, what they what they have learned. So Craig McRae talks about the smiles at three-quarter time. This is our jam. We know how to do this. But it's not just the spiritual side of it at that point. It it, it is very much the tactical side of it as well. Yeah, it is. And there there is an incredible belief. And it's hard to to coach that. You can't tell players this is what we're going to do. The more times you're in that situation, um, the the better it becomes. As you said, Joe, it becomes a learned skill. Um, It helped that they had Sidebottom and Pendlebury um, you know, Jamie Elliott out there, they had experience um, bl- uh, with a blend of young players, which are easier to instill belief into, as crazy as that sounds. So there is a there is a trust that's quickly developed with young players once they're in that situation many times. But hats off to McRae. He coached really well last night. I've said it already, but their ability to be able to change the way that they were they were using the ball offensively at halftime um, – that got them back into the game. That got them back into the game combined with that pressure. But you're right, Jared, that last five minutes, there was a calmness, an eerie calmness about that group that was on the field that they were going to win. There wasn't panic. There wasn't um, mistakes. I mean, there was mistakes, but there wasn't mistakes made by having, um, you know, rush moments that were, it's almost like their heart rates dropped yes. in that moment. They were cold. Yeah. So instead of, giving in to the madness of it all. There was no panic. They didn't try anything expansive. They, they precisely knew what they were doing. And I think in these close finishes, Hodge, you, you know, we'll get a look here. We, in six and a half minutes, Melbourne, I think we'll get a look or two. They didn't get a single look 
after that centre clearance. It's amazing. And I think uh, you said how good Craig was, but it's the, it's that coaching group to understand the situation of the game. And you, the thing we've been speaking about Collingwood this whole year is how attacking they are. They get on the half-back line and they're going through the middle. There was a couple, it was just before half-time, there was a minute to go, more picks the ball up from a point. Kicks it to Pendlebury down the middle of the ground. Pendlebury goes out to side bottom. They end up going down and kicking. It's Jamie Alec kicks a goal just before half time. And I'm sitting back going, what team, when they're down against the Premiers with a minute to go before half time, takes a risky kick up the middle of the ground? But that's Collingwood. But then, as you said, the, the mindset to change when you're five points up with four minutes to go. I think it was um, Maynard took an intercept mark on the back flank. And what, what would Collingwood normally do? Go straight through the corridor, open up the fat side, try and score. It, chipped it sideways. He yeah. went straight to the boundary, and then everyone squeezed in behind it. So all of a sudden, they've gone from a team that wants to attack to, hang on, we've been in this situation. We know what we're doing. Go to the boundary line. If we have to, we'll kick it long down the line. But we've got density at the stoppage. We've got density behind the ball. So if Melbourne do get it, they can't slingshot back. And then even to a minute, minute and a half to go, when the ball was stuck in Collins' forward line, Jeremy Howe, he's sitting a spare bloke. He's gone and stood at centre-half back. He's on the 50-metre line of Collingwood's defensive end, just saying that if anything comes at me, I'm not getting blindsided on there. It's just when they're in that pressure situation, every player on that field knew exactly what to do. And you said it before, though, it was just calm. It was no one panic. We've been here before. We know what to do. And let's just execute what we know we have to do. Taylor Adams to come back in, Brody Grundy as well, and I'll do well, Jared. And that's nine now by two goals or less that they've won. So if there's a if there's a form line or at least a self confidence around finals football and the manic pressure that that brings, geez, they're as quipped as anyone. And now, rather thrillingly, they play Sydney, which is probably for the home qualifying final, and they'll finish off against Carlton. Unbelievable. And we don't know what Carlton's fate will be at that stage. How long will it be before someone goes, oh, they need a loss before the finals. <laughs> they can't continue to do well, this. I've, I've spoke to a few Collingwood supporters who said exactly that, and I said why. There's a beautiful mystique at the moment with Collingwood. that No one wants to play them, right? No. You wouldn't want to play Collingwood for the rest of this season or in the finals because you know you're going to get beat up. You know the pressure's coming and they're going to tackle you, and they are never out of the game. They were 20-something points down in the yep. second quarter, again, against last year's Premiers. So just give us one other aspect to it, Sando. You know this group so well. You've lived such a journey with them. Would you have imagined that this was possible? What are you seeing as someone who who knows what that has been and, and what it's developed into? Oh, well, I was – I mean, Collingwood finished 17th last year, Jared. And I, as you said, I was there last year. Um, but this group has been together the, – the core of this group has been together for five years, for example. And there's they've got great leadership. You mentioned Adams and Grundy. Uh, Pendlebury, obviously to come back in. You've already side got Pendlebury bottom. side yep. bottom. So the nucleus is there, plus that that group of Howe and Elliot, Darcy Moore. So there, and there's some great young kids coming through. But what you've got to admire is just the way that they've found some typical Collingwood players. So even back through Collingwood's last 120 years, there's there's names like Ash Johnson, who's great hands, sharp shooter, he's forward craft. Carmichael, who's a typical Collingwood player, he's hard, he's mm. aggressive, he's reliable. Um, Murphy, take another step this year, courageous, strong in the contest. McCreary, typical Collingwood player, um, goal kicker, but he's got speed and he's pressure and he's tackle. So they just keep finding these role players that are adding to this group. So I thought, Joe, to answer your question, I thought 15 wins would be an absolute ceiling, but they're already there. There is two games to go. So um, I probably thought, yeah, I, I didn't think they were capable of this is probably the answer that you're looking for. I thought probably 13 wins would be a great year for Collingwood, but they're going to surpass that. And who knows? The sky's the limit. Yeah. The sky's is the limit. Can you tell us a little bit more about Ash Johnson? 
Like he's last night watching him, his hands, how good his hands were in pressure situations. But also those two kicks in that last quarter. Yeah. Like for a young boy playing his fourth game, I think he went back and it did not phase him. They were two of the nicest kicks that I that I'd seen all night. And he went through, and then the celebration, the passion. But hearing about his story, it wasn't an easy journey for him to get drafted for one, but then had a few injuries since. Yeah, well, he's he's from Halls Creek, and a lot of good players come from that you know north region of WA. He's um, fantastic region for for young Aboriginal talent. Um, and he was another success story of the mid-season draft last year. So he he was playing um, reserves footy and the occasional league game for Sturt in the SANFL. So um, Derek Hine, obviously. Um, Collingwood needed a speedy, crafty forward type, um, and they called his name out in the mid-season draft. Had some injuries, like you said, but um, his first four games have been as good as anyone's first four games, particularly coming in in the mid-season draft. So uh, he's 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 a super talent. He um, and he's keeping um, Ollie Henry out of the side at the moment, who's another great young talent. So. The kids are there coming through for Collingwood, so it's a really exciting time. Promising. There's so much out of last night's game. We'll keep this conversation going. And, well, so for the rest of the year, that the one-trick pony is going to sit so heavily (laughs) over the conversation. I just did some research, Jared. If they are a one-trick pony, they've got to be a very good one. So a bit of homework here. It's the Welsh pony. I think that's what they are. Not only athletic, but also sturdy and dependable is the bio of the Welsh pony. So we'll go with that from now on. What (laughs) impact did Ed Langdon's words have on last night's environment it certainly doesn't decide the footy game but it fueled the environment all right you're listening to crunch time our friday night footy discussion for werribee isuzu ute they make buying cars easy g'day mike hussey here get on board australia's best fantasy cricket game kfc supercoach bbl it's fun free and easy to play play today at supercoach.com.au T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.